This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. <coughs> no, it, it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. It's This Week in Sleeves with your host, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Ready for some quick fucking? Which is what I always say and reassure them about. Nah, just kidding. But what that quick little silly intro means is that this week in Sleaze 35 is me, Sleazy K, on my own. The great Lord Joshua Regal is currently tending to life and education, as you know from hints dropped in the prior podcasts without exposing his entire life. And while I had a gap in my schedule, I thought I'd sit down in the tidy whitey theatre on my own, in the smells and the puddles, uh, to watch and review two random picks from my Laserdisc pile. Being a solo venture, these reviews will go by quicker, hence, quick fucking genius, isn't it? <laughs> I thought that I thought that up in like two or three weeks. Like I had a eureka moment like you read about, so now I can get even more comfy. Comfy. Comfy, that sounds almost like a, like a nice little Freudian slip. I'm comfy and comfortable at the same time. Ooh, uh. But uh, I can be more comfortable in here in the Tidy Whitey Theater than I usually am with uh, Joshua. So, where's the hand cream? Right, I'm ready for review now. No, I'm just kidding. Let uh, let that uh, image sink into your, uh, into your minds. Uh, and what I am going to review is... You know, at, at any rate, is the Veronica Yip starer from 1991 called Pretty Woman. A must-see if you felt Richard Gere and Julia Roberts' movie, not that they made it, but they starred in it, if you felt that missed elements of rape, murder, gunplay, stupid comedy, and orgies, then Pretty Woman from Hong Kong is where it's at. And also in the second half of this quick fucking... I watched the organized crime and triad bureau gang solve another mystery, but not with Danny Lee and his gang at the helm this time. It's another gang, it's another movie, and it's called OCTB Case, The Floating Body from 1995. So let's do some quick contact information. First of all, this is This Week in Sleaze on the Podcast on Fire network. We are on podcastonfire.com. Uh, this is part of a fairly large network of shows that covers Hong Kong cinema, Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, and slutty, slutty, smutty cinema, rather, in the form of this show. So check that out on the site. We also have bonus episodes on there every now and again. Email us if you have any feedback and if you thought this solo adventure was anything at all. You know, I, I I can take I can take the criticism. Just be uh, just don't be an ass about it. So podcast on fire at googlemail.com is your first stop if you wanna email us if you have any questions and feedback. Like our page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash PUF network and join the discussion group. Uh, type in podcast on fire network to find it in the Facebook search bar. That'll be the easiest way. We are also available on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at podcast on fire. 
I write about category-free movies, Taiwanese movies, various Hong Kong genres, and ninja movies by Godfrey Ho, and uh, the various movies uh, by other directors at IFD and Filmark over at SoGoodReviews.com, and I video review, put up little spoken uh, audio commentaries, if you will, on my reviews, uh, accompanying, uh, accompanying, I can't even say the word, the word, <laughs> I put up the videos at the same time as I put up my main reviews, and in the main reviews you'll find those videos as well, and they're on their own site too, called sleazykvideo.com, and my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. This weekend's lease is available on iTunes, rate and subscribe, I know this is a sleazy show and you shouldn't tell your friends, neighbors or family that you do listen to it, but hey, make up some fake iTunes name so you know definitely that your friends or family won't find out and leave us a star rating and even leave us a small review one or two sentences will do we will very much appreciate that you know let's get some reviews up there on itunes for this weekend's lease and finally almost finally rather stream us on stitcher radio via their online presence but get the application for this movie's way to stream us on the apple app store and also via Google Play. And finally, because Brian Kirby has been helpful towards the show, he co-designed the intro, Shelf Life Clothing, home of the Caucasians t-shirt and even hoodies. So check that out. Great t-shirt line, great guy, great site. Support him. And in the meantime, I'll take a small musical break. Then we'll play some uh, gorgeous music from Pretty Woman from 1991 and prepare yourself to... Uh, Here's some talk of uh, a pretty woman that contains rape, murder, gunplay, stupid comedy, and orgies. And, and a long bath sequence as well. So I'll tell you all about that in a little bit. Welcome back, and uh, first movie of review uh, during this uh, quick fucking is Pretty Woman from 1991, and plot from HKMDB user STSH. Starts with a rape and a murder, and ends with a romantic marriage proposal. And the multi-threaded plot gets very tangled. Nightclub hostess Mimin, played by Veronica Yip, is hired to impersonate her lookalike, Shin, an office worker who was murdered by the villain, Ken Tong. But things go awry. Mimin notice that, notices that the handsome man who rescued her from an abduction the night before is also a young director of the company. He's called Chia Sin, played by Alex Fong. And she decides to unresign because the plot is that Ken Tong wants her to hand in her resignation letter, uh, playing obviously the murdered uh, office worker, and uh, therefore cover up his tracks. But hey, she stays, and uh, hilarity ensues, maybe. But uh, <laughs> you'll hear what my quick quick opinion is now. In reality, this is a pretty shoddy and transparent uh, category-free vehicle. It crams some stuff audiences, you know, crams some stuff in there that audiences apparently love, like rape, murder, comedy, boobs, gunplay, and a 10-minute shower bath masturbation scene involving a grieving character. Yep, not transparent at all. Not exploitation at all. You know, go for it, Mr. Director and Producer. You're on the right track. And you're very transparent at the same time. But because of the transparency and the ear rights made in, those elements are quite comforting and fun, at least for me. And the fact that if makers are only interested in 
the tits to sell this. Veronica Gibbs tits, to be honest. To, to be fair, to be clear. It becomes unashamedly infectious too. You know, I, I can watch this quite often. I don't thoroughly like it, but uh, but hey, that's the quick opinion. And it's it's made in 1991, and it's somewhat early in the Category 3 cycle. Uh, Sex and Sen was released just days prior in November of that year, oh, and, and went on a successful cinema run. Whereas Pretty Woman, with its non-existing fantasy element, yet it's quite packed, as I said, it flopped. Sex movies and comedies were there in 1991, but the explosion of tons of high-profile, some not... High profile, some high budget, some not so high budget category three movies containing obviously sex, violence, comedy, fantasy. That was like a year or two away, that huge explosion. You know, the rumble was starting, meaning that they were producing these movies but not churning them out yet. So any attempt that popped up at this time is kind of fun to see prior to the explosion, if you will, even if it does seem very similar to what the explosion of movies contained. So it opens up in a dark way, with the murder. You know, Ken Tong's character, as we soon know, it's not a secret. That gets revealed at the end of the movie, that Ken Tong did it! But we we know it's him pretty early on. He's got a raincoat on, glasses, and it's very eerie. He's going, he's going up to floor 13 to commit his murder. He's not planned it, but it, it becomes that, you know, a rape and murder. And he then, he is a psycho because he sees Veronica Yip uh, working late, and she sees her without clothes on. So he's a psycho and a pervert to that extent. I mean, Hong Kong could push for darkness quite well, we know that, and this is a fairly suspenseful opening, and surely a serious movie looms, you would think, as a logical human being, when you see the sequence. But no, it it's not a serious movie that looms, and uh, it's, as a sequence, I mean, it, it's, a, it's okay, but it's not a challenger for, um, you know, a challenge for a director like Billy Tang, who threw unheard of darkness at us with Dr. Lamb and Red to Kill, Brother of Darkness, and what have you. Billy Tang did have comedy in, uh, for instance, Dr. Lamb. So, I mean, it's not far-fetched that this could be very dark and very um, very comedic at the same time, though. So, so yeah, it, it is a very disturbing sequence as you know she the actress veronica yip she's tied up she's gagged i mean she looks game she looks into it and i hope she was and not forced into it by producers and director if you will and uh you know the surprise is that your leading lady is killed off you know plus a bit of necrophilia because he notices she is dead but that doesn't stop Ken Tong. And it's quite a shocking death because she gets impaled on what I think is a piece of office equipment. It's quite a shocking cut. So that was a good short story, you know, or a good opening. And But we see it as a short story because of what it leads into, you know, a, a scene or two later we see Ken Tong amidst his the company of his office workers. They're having a after work thing at the Mahjong tables and uh, we get our first scene of... Uh, sign off really of uh, the perverted office workers you know the men at the office uh, the glass-eyed men and they mostly have girls on their mind surprisingly you know they're enthusiastically planning business trips to singapore because in singapore the girls have no vd hurrah and uh, i mean i'm a dude and I have a sex drive, obviously, but this type of cinematic male sex drive, I can't relate to the frequency of it. Like, it's so out of control. I mean, if you can extract what's in their minds, it will it will be 
you know, this word or this phrase constantly ringing in their ears. Girls, 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 all my penis all the time. Girls, 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 on my penis all the time and so forth. So that obviously leads towards a very horrible view of women too. Women as disposable. And it's it's a bit of an unfortunate cinematic view on uh, things at this this time. And maybe it still exists to some degree in various um, countries of cinema. It's shameful, but also unashamedly funny because of the energy brought forth. Uh, they're very exaggerated characters, and you kind of laugh at them with it to a degree. It's a commercial element, I suppose. So, in enters, you know, a doppelganger. You know, Veronica Yip's doppelganger. You know, you gasp, but you don't really, because director Young Shi Gin, director of China Dolls, which is a pretty damn good movie, actually. Uh, Young Shi Gin is not that talented to make us gasp when we see a doppelganger, that she's alive, or she's another one. It would be funny, though, and this is me just fantasizing about a better movie, I suppose. It would be funny if Ken Tong killed off the doppelganger, and then another enters, and he kills that off. You know, it's like a Groundhog Day scenario in a way, but uh, that there, it's a constant stream of new doppelgangers or something. That would have been funny, you know. They should ask me to write some movies, uh, or uh, where I go back in time and produce Pretty Woman 2 with that plot, too. That will work. I'm sure that will get made. And we can get Veronica Yip easily in there because, hey, they're doppelgangers. But anyway, we see some signs of Alex Fong performing actions. He saves Veronica Yip from some thugs after she ends her shift at the club. Alex Fong, he used to, you know, obviously be an action star with uh, with him being a constant uh, presence in the Angel series and quite a good one too. And uh, he's obviously a savior here he's an angel in white too but he uh he didn't have you know the presence and the looks i think to be a leading man and a dramatically you know critically acclaimed leading man but he turned out to be later in the night is quite a terrific actor at this time he looked kind of like a dork i'm not saying i'm good looking but i'm i'm making a judgment despite i preferred him uh, in his latter career, if you will, and when he made moves like Portland Street Blues, One Night in Moncock, Double Tap, and what have you. We talked of the office perverts. They were mahjong perverts. Now they're office perverts. Uh, per- per- perverts. Uh, because they wear glasses and shit, and therefore uh, that makes them horny perverts. And they, they're, they're the kind of characters that enters the frame picking their nose in public. So, you know, it's almost so dopey, so exaggerated. It's genius. I mean, I laughed. I laughed. I had fun with that. One of the running gags here, it's not surprising that uh, no one likes the somewhat not attractive boss. And I'm using not attractive in quotation marks. Yeah, they make faces behind her back. She's considered ugly. But I'll tell you, she's not. And uh, I have some more notes on her. But these office workers, they're concerned with uh, little work, seemingly. Because what they're doing this out in the open. That's so mad. They have a betting system in the office, in the open, about... If they can guess what the women in the office, what color of panties they wear. So they, they throw their money onto a color and then they look under the table. Which is a system they've devised in the open. Where they check under the desks. And most of the guys lose because most women in the um, in the office wear multicolored underwear. So there you go. That's humor. And every now and again in the movie... All characters, especially those characters, say things together as a punchline. At the same time, they talk like a group and they move like a group. They're a, they're a force you smile at and they're, they're so dopey that you do smile at it. I mean, I don't hate it, uh, but it, it's not genius either, but it's kind of infectious, 
infectious at the, at the same time. So, but the head head of them all, you know, the greatest pervert of them all in cinema, Hong Kong cinema, is in this movie as well. He's called Charlie Cho, of course, who in his first scene gets a blowjob under a desk and can't hide it at all, obviously. So uh, that's uh, she, uh, Veronica Yip, leaves the letter of resignation to Charlie Cho while he's, oh, uh, okay, okay, uh, you know, he can't hide it, you know, the, the table might as well rock, you know, his desk might as well rock, uh, because uh, it's very evident what's happening there, but Charlie brings the energy and that's all fine with me. One of the better gags, actually, is, um, for real, for reals, is when Veronica Yip as the doppelganger, obviously, she doesn't know which desk her dead doppelganger sat at. Uh, but she's got the lay of the land, and she kind of knows, you know, what the office is about, and certainly that there's uh, perverts in there. So she asks, uh, you know, openly, where's my... Oh, no, no, what was it? Oh, yeah, she... Oh, yeah. Now I got it. Now I remember. I watched it yesterday and I've forgotten about it. But she asks, like, where's my where's my desk? And which one of you bastards put a sexy poster on my desk? And they all wake up at once and they run to the desk at once. Like, sexy poster, sexy poster. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like they've, they're so sex-starved that a sexy poster, the, the alluring nature of that, is enough for them to run to her desk and she's got them, you know. 1,000% horny, easily manipulated men. So I guess that says something about men as well. And uh, there it is. It's a pretty dreary-looking film, though. You know, uh, the office surroundings are, you know, vanilla and grey. I mean, uh, no one is expecting any, like, you know, Wall Street glamour or whatever. But it looks pretty flat. And uh, it uh, it has comedy and murder. And also it also has sex. Uh, female actress Lee Yutsin has several sex scenes, including uh, quite high-concept ones because of the settings, if you will, but they're pretty bad, actually. She's gorgeous. Lee Yutsin is quite gorgeous. We've seen her in ton of, tons of movies uh, in on this show. I believe in Temptation Summary 2, she was the actress who would do anything to uh, to get ahead in the industry, so she like arranges photo ops at the tennis court while she sits in the umpire seat and she says hey everybody oh no i don't have any panties on and she you know willingly had her vagina photographed so she was that kind of character gorgeous uh, lady though and uh, the squash court sex scene is uh, not particularly sexy i mean she is but there's no inspiration as such when shooting sex you know they they, they have some camera setups and some you know dry humping and what have you and a saxophone score and that's it. I mean, the actors are into it somewhat. They're not totally blank performers, but it's pretty flat nonetheless. Uh, but it's over quickly too. I mean, they don't go on for half an hour with this stuff. And uh, that she's in the movie and uh, having, having sex with the character she is having sex with, that has to do with there's a rival company uh, that has gangsters in the ranks and they want to exhibit diamonds and they want to destroy the company that Veronica Yip now works at. So uh, that's... That's why we got, like, the massive con- content that we have here with the gunplay and what have you. And uh, the other Veronica Yip, if you will, she's not this super refined lady. Uh, she she uh, is a bit loud, a bit ditzy, a bit a bit clumsy. They, they, don't, they don't have that throughout the movie, but she's so ditzy and clumsy that she forgets to put panties on while she goes... Before she goes to work, and then she comes back, put panties on, and then goes out again. It's, it's a little slapsticky in that regard i suppose but it's not a thread in the movie uh charlie cho has a couple of scenes but uh, 
quite memorable ones, going back to Charlie. He tries to, I mean, he is a horrible man again. He tries to, uh, he, he's seen Veronica Heap and he wants her, like you read about. So he has spiked her wine with aphrodisiac or rohypnol or what have you, even though I don't think rohypnol makes you horny as such. But hey, I haven't tried it, I don't know. But uh, Veronica Heap is clever enough to do a bit of switcheroo. She can uh, distract Charlie, so she switches the wine. He drinks it, he's satisfied that he's got her, but he has not, you know, he has, you know, he has it in him now. It's a one of those wah, wah, wah moments again. And uh, Charlie has a great comedic reaction when that all hits him. It hits him within seconds, which I don't know if, if it's realistic or not, but they exaggerate this further with a sound effect on a soundtrack but it's an excellent comedic reaction by charlie so he ends up being you know horny against his uh, will and who enters but the ugly boss of the company miss ode played by yondi mao who totally isn't ugly i think she's gorgeous even in her prior to having been made up with makeup scene in the movie she still looks gorgeous i don't know what they're talking about when they're like making faces behind their backs so boo on those men i suppose the funny thing is she is quite aggressive mondial so she launches herself at charlie you know and starts uh, riding him and pulling him like a horse and this is like pre-sex and it's all set to i don't know if it's a song classic song that you uh, like connect to horseback riding or whatever but you know on the soundtrack here so there's the subtlety in the movie if you will i said gunplay i mean there's gunplay here we got a high sequence a little little bit later on with the police are waiting while a robbery goes on and the gunplay goes off quite neatly there's some nice beats nice beats and some squid work here as they're shot dead all of them so Fairly gritty, but that's the last good gunplay in the movie, I suppose. There will be more, but it's not good. And uh, furthermore, the Liutzin has another sex scene with the same man she had sex with on uh, the squash court, but they're on exercising machines here. And this is a pretty stupid sex scene. I, I don't know really how to describe it. They're sprayed down, but yes, I suppose it looks as sweaty and they're supposed to be erotic, but it's so matter-of-fact when they you know, go up and down on the exercise machines, and uh, they're, they're, I don't know, they're, they're very, how do I put this, the, his aim, if you will, with his penis, is quite good and consistent, because he goes up and down and inside, or obviously up and down and inside, you know, it's perfect sex, but hey, it wouldn't be cinema if uh, you had awkward sex, I suppose, so... There's a latter uh, scene with Lee, involving Liu Tsin. She's there to uh, help out destroy the company. She, so she puts what I suppose is aphrodisiac in the tea machine, which leads to uh, one pill, one dissolvable uh, pill, or soluble, or however you, uh, however you pronounce it. And uh, that leads to a mass outbreak of uncontrolled sexual urge and orgy in the, in the office. And this is splendid, hilarious, and even epic imagery to me. And even that one piece can lead to everybody, you know, being all hot and sweaty. They all have the same beha- like behavioral behavioral pattern. Even Wu Ma, but he doesn't engage in a sex scene, but he, he plays another boss in the company. So I think that was a, quite a fun little sequence. There's a kind of a why not throw it in. We got 90 minutes uh, and we're s- desperate to get this to 90 minutes, which is 
and point I'll get to. But as I said, it's pretty entertaining in a Hong Kong Category 3 quickie way, but nothing here pops. And it doesn't seem like it was designed to. It's a quickie. And uh, Ronnie Ip's performed Ronnie Ip, Veronica Ip. You can call her Ronnie if you like, I suppose. Uh, her performance isn't groundbreaking or anything, but she uh, she she has some chops, and she and she did go on to dramatic acclaim as an actress, which makes me happy. That kind of career path makes me happy. You know, even the year after she appeared in Call Girl '92, you got movies like Roof with a View, Scarred Memory. You know, classy movies. She she is really good. She's really charismatic and present, and uh, I absolutely adore her. Uh, that we have both of those sides, you know. Ken Tong's uh, murder plot turns very secondary. Uh, uh, the fervent movie runs uh, and vague, but but the point is that when they bring him in again, is that he feels like he can't control her anymore. And uh, later on, you know, his overacting psycho act here he leads into exposition dump type of dialogues. As obviously we get a reveal later on in the film that she is a hostess and a prostitute, something that her romantic interest Alex Fong didn't know and doesn't like, so there's your exposition dump. I talked off the bad gunplay, by the way, and there's an action set piece in Macau, in the movie, it's set in Macau anyway, not very impressive, just plenty of shooting, but no attempt at cinematic style here. I'm not asking everybody to be John Woo, but like, shoot something that, well, you mean it, you know, but there's just shooting, simple shooting, and that doesn't translate as grit or anything, and even the stunt work is very transparent. There's a grenade uh, that's supposed to blow up behind a stuntman, and it's clearly set up uh, to do that because he's. you can see he's just waiting to do a forward flip, and cue he does. Good on him, I suppose, but it doesn't look natural, I suppose. It's, it's still something very fun about the fact that we get so much in one 90-minute movie, and including gameplay, so you can get through the sequence easily, but also criticize it, uh, is my point. I said also that they're desperate to get this to 90 minutes, and the rival company story, if you will, it sort of ends an hour in, as one prime gangster is killed and the boss is arrested, so now the romantic picture starts, I guess, the part that vaguely resembles Pretty Woman. But we have no investment in this connection, no matter how sexual and sensual young Shigin tries to make it through erotic shots and transitions to deeper and deeper sexual feeling between the two. I mean, it's it's slow-motion sex in a pretty dreary-looking movie. It's also foggy, and it's also pretty flat-looking. Uh, but there is chops in that director, as I said. You know, he arguably, if it indeed is a he, got us the greatest Amy Yip performance on screen, a dramatic performance in a movie he made the year after called China Dolls. But he also made There is a Secret in My Soup. So there is that. But in short, Young Shigin has not a clue how to shoot sex in a sexy way. So, to like this movie, I suppose you have to have an infatuation with the era. You know, there's uh, no investment even when the reveals happen and when the drama happens where, where the lovers are torn apart. So we, you know, she, she's sad about that. So we get legendary filler while she's sad. This is just legendary but sad and transparent too. I mean, I've used that word so much, but it is true. So for 10 minutes while she's uh, grieving that the love of her life is that they, they're apart, we see her prepare for a shower and a bath. So we see Veronica Yip slowly take off her underwear to have a long, slow shower and bath. And it's so odd that <laughs> Young Shigin decides to make sadness an audience-pleasing imagery. It serves no purpose when it's all infused with a sadness, you know. 
I would have expected at least like an Alex Fong Veronica Gabe montage of good times instead. But this this is like this is obviously exploitation, you know. It even leads to masturbation, and I mean feeling sexual in dire circumstances. It happens, but mostly it's it's pretty embarrassing that they make sadness with her bath and she starts playing with this cowboy and horse bath toy that she takes under the surface of the water and then that cuts to the naked couple swimming in a pool well she's naked he's not that's a fantasy of her swimming with her love but it's still not affecting and uh, that's like 10 minutes of movie as they (laughs) draw it closer to 90 minutes and even you know the ending when all is fine again you know they meet at the club and they tango and all is well even that takes forever to end like they, they go out from the club together, but clapping, I suppose, and uh, they go into the car, they kiss in the car, we see driving shots of the car, and somewhere they thought, like, hey, we're almost at 90 minutes, cue credits, we're home, guys. That's that, that's how it ends, I mean, I don't care if I'm spoiling it, so it's quite drawn out, but as I, as I stated, it has its fun elements, and uh, actual fun elements, shameless fun elements, and uh, if you like this era of uh, almost pre almost pre category three, then there is stuff here to uh, to check out. On a, a kind of a nerdy note, because this uh, was uh, released on Laserdisc, and uh, that leads us leads us into availability. I always liked that these Ocean Shores Laserdisc always had trailers of the the movies. It was it was a fun extra to look forward to, and it didn't have to be a category three movie. They were uh, promoting it they were they were promoting their next release and in the case of next release if uh, we go back they put out uh, the kenny b star uh, not me called today's hero starring him and maggie jones after this smarty movie we get a trailer for a bit more classy movie so there you go but yeah being an ocean shores title it was put out on at least laserdisc and it is what i own it looks okay for the format i suppose the cropped uh, full screen transfer doesn't affect the viewing uh, there was a dvd out there and i had it by a company I think we're called Vortex, that just seem to recycle the Ocean Shores transfer. But that DVD, that is also said to be Ocean Shores' own DVD, if you look it up, is out of print. Uh, I think I got rid of it when I got the Laserdisc or something like that. This is certainly the better cover art is for the Laserdisc, so there is that. So that's pretty well done. Seemed like a long review, so not so much quick fucking, I suppose. But hey, it's uh, it's now done, and we're taking a short musical break. And after that, it's OCTBKs for Floating Body. Time to deconstruct that, if you will. So sit tight, and we'll be back, or I'll be back. So, welcome back to the second half of Quick Fucking in the Tidy Whitey Theater all by myself. And uh, we'll review OCTBKs. I'm saying we, it's only me here, but you know what I mean. OCTBKs, a floating body from 1995, a plot from my review of the film. Lee Chin Wan, played by Ben M from Red to Kill, is the brother of uh, Wang Wan Choi's character. He's an ex-con and trying to be a sweet guy, but he can't coexist with the violent streak of his. Mainly because his wife, Yin, uh, his brother's wife, Yin, played by Lily Chung in a fully clothed role for a change. He, she doesn't believe 
he'll change or make something decent out of himself. It all leads up to the accidental murder of his brother's wife and subsequent chainsaw dismemberment of her remains. He flees Hong Kong to work in the family restaurant in the mainland while the organized crime and trial bureau led by Bobby Ao as Auser tries to piece together the body and the clues. So the quick opinion, run-of-the-mill drama and murder investigation with some decent to middle, middling, if that's a word, uh, drama thrown in. It tries to be a serious film, but it's not very confident about that choice at all times. At other times it comes off as, uh, you know, adequate for a Category 3 quickie, I suppose. So surprisingly, nothing outside of the gory opening even mildly flirts with the adults-only rating. So there you go. Having been mm, in the movie usually means uh, trouble, meaning that uh, we know he can be a great warm actor when needed, but at this time he was called upon to flex his physicality and psycho nature on screen. It was uh, often always uh, memorable. Uh, so it is a Lily Chung reunion for the two after 1994's Red to Kill, which was promoted as her last nude role, if I remember correctly. And this is uh, an infected relationship that uh, leads to violence as the plot dictates. She demeans him verbally, so we, we get going quickly, which is good. But she she's not his uh, wife or girlfriend, she's uh, the sister-in-law. You ask yourself, and you're kind of on board with the movie, therefore, was he this horrible that he deserved his lashing, you know, out of the blue? Seems kind of doubtful. It's effective, you know, they're back and forth and eventually that accidental violence uh, and the effectiveness in particular is that she hits her head on a table and she's conscious for a while and then she reaches back and she's got a hole in her head and it's quite a vicious little um, effect if you will it's really effective so it's not a murder but uh, uh, obviously Ben Um though is called upon to be big but he's so skilled though at the drifting out of you know timid loud violent uh, going for regret panic after she dies so you got that as a very much great helper for uh, for the movie and the sequence. But it doesn't help that during some of these choices, uh, good acting choices, there's an orchestral, way too loud score during his panic and desperation. It sounds like they just cut and pasted it out of a bigger movie with, uh, you know, a big old orchestral Lord of the Rings type of score or what have you. But it's all a good thing, by the way, uh, when in terms of dealing with the body, that he has a chainsaw. You connect it with, you know, to the electrical socket, but he does have a chainsaw. But he's not brave enough to do the disposing of her body parts sober. You know, beers and weed help. And then, like, he takes, like, ten intense hits off a joint. And when he's done with that, he lights another to get really stoned. And he does, because he starts, you know, inhaling the joint through his nose as well. And I don't know if you even smoke weed like that, but I guess it gets into your system somehow anyway. You know, I, I would have needed the medical knowledge of my co-host to sort these important matters out. But hey, it's quick fucking, so there you go. You, you get what you get. And then he lights a third, you know, joint. And he's close to unconscious. Like, dude, you were supposed to, you know, get rid of the body. But it's <laughs> it's fun. But problem is, it's not rapid. You know, director Lam Yi-hong slows down to real time, I guess, to mimic his state. But it slows down the movie. That's the problem. So he, he does approach to start like cutting her up, but uh, he's got the munchies, so he starts picking up Pringles off the floor, like one or two Pringles chips off the floor. And then he starts doing his thing, but there's obviously no care to protect and lay down plastic and protect himself. Her blood will spray everywhere, so his stoned bravery is also stoned foolishness. It's a terrific chainsaw chop sequence in terms of effects, as we, don't know, we not only get blood sprays, but several prolonged 
insert shots of arms and torso and head being severed, seemingly very uncut. It's almost like censors forgot to cut the movie because they normally trim some of this. And you would hear it on the soundtrack via audio jumps. Uh, so, so it's really complete, but in the end, uh, even though it's not protecting the bathroom or himself, he cleans up well because we see him taking a bath in the same bath, presumably like uh, hours later or an hour or two later. So he's... Um, he can create a spotless environment of the uh, horrific thing like that. It's a long sequence. It takes up 20 minutes, which the elements are fun, but it takes up a lot of time and pacing issues is present here. And that's followed by slow, serene shots of the Hong Kong harbor. This here as well. The theme of 90-minute desperation kind of is here as well. It's competently made, though. We obviously get the uh, in, in murder investigation part of the movie round about here. We meet Bobby Yao, who's Auser and not Leeser, despite this being an organized crime and triad bureau movie. I'm surprised they didn't make a ton of these with whatever actor they wanted as the sir of this movie. But uh, they it was pretty much Magnum Films, you know, Danny Lee's company that made the most of them. You know, he made some of these uh, unsubtitled shot-on-video movies like Portrait of a Serial Rapist and what have you during this time, as well as making films, films, you know, on screen and subtitled, on cinema screens and subtitled. But Bobby always said, you know, it's a standard cop role. You know, he turns up to a crime scene, uh, eating snacks and what have you. But there's no, like, huge dip into comedy here. He's quite stern anyway, and he's got some goofy uh, assistance, if you will. It's a possibly a movie, because this happened a lot during this time, it's possibly a movie that uh, uses a uh, sort of headline or real-life crime as its basis. Uh, because you see quite real-looking news footage uh, playing on the TV, but it, it might be, one, faked news footage or news footage of something else, though. So, there you go. So, subsequently, we meet uh, the husband, and there's obviously a drive here to him, um, you know, he's asking around, where's my wife, you know, did did she go to play Mahjong, did you meet her, and asking different people, and that that's, you know, the drive, obviously, that's supposed to be there, but it's very stale, the dialogue, and the various Lang Mi Hong tilted angles, uh, they get old, because he tries to showcase, you know, dread and inner chaos as he calls around and asks around. Overall, you know, in the investigation moves somewhat well. It's not a boring movie. And the structure calls for flashbacks, though, to fill in some gaps, logically what led to the unfriendly nature between Ben mm, and Lily Chung's character. We, which is interesting, because she is so quick to judge, because her husband's brother is an ex-con. So she's very uh, unsympathetic. You know, for once, Lily Chung, who's always victimized in these movies, plays someone very unsympathetic. So I guess that's a relief for the actors, too. And we get some other older veterans uh, as the mother and father. Uh, Quan Hoi San plays the father, and Teresa Ha Ping, you know, plays uh, uh, the mother, the parents of uh, the husband. And, uh, you know, even veterans got into these movies despite them being 18 plus movies. But uh, hey, this doesn't have a lot of, you know, it's not a porn movie as such. He's got one big gore sequence, if you will. So it's good that somewhere there's sympathetic nature to characters. You know, Teresa Harping's character is very um, sympathetic and uh, rational, while the father and Lily Chung are quick to judge, you know, and uh, and, and give, you know, Ben Rim's character quite a lashing uh, constantly. So it's wise to give the murder, uh, the accidental murder, manslaughter. Maybe it is, but uh, it, it's accidental. It, it's good to give that la- a layered spin, uh, that it's, um, you know, fueled by, you know, long-time judgment and conflict rather than Ben Umbe being a psycho! You know, overall, it, it continues to move snap, snap in a snappy fashion as it mixes flashback and interrogation. 
And uh, you get obviously quite a firm hint that uh, the husband, you know, what was the actor's name again? I said it, Wong Wan Choi. He is someone who doesn't stand up to his wife. You know, he tries to just, uh, you know, calm down, calm down. And he buys her presents to kind of keep her keep her in line, which is uh, says a lot about him as a brother. You know, he tries to be kind, but he can't control his wife. There's a mainland section, obviously, with the flashback and also scenes post the murder, where Ben Room's character makes a rather sweet connection with actress Strawberry Young who plays a girl who's followed by gangsters uh, during one evening, and she's uh, protected by Ben. Mm. And Strawberry with, has a wonderful English name, and she's very, very sweet. So she, she's a, I love her as an actress. She really clicks with leading men during this time, especially with uh, Chan Kwok Bong in uh, the two movies, Gates of Hell and Diary of Serial Killer. Very beautiful actress, and she clicks with her leading man it's a, and obviously is a good actress too you know and it's a sneaky thing by the way that part of the flashback is after the murder you kind of realize that as you go along so it's kind of clever that um he sneaks that in where you go aha okay it's post the murder you know it's not him in the mainland before the murder it's not a broad movie, comedy-wise, but you got some ineffective cops working for Bobby Yao, and they suggest, because one of them heard this from his grandpa, that you should burn incense and throw a watermelon into the bay to make the limbs appear, because they're obviously looking for the entire body. And Bobby Yao is a good enough cop, I suppose, where he said, like, okay, you can do it. He's a wise strategist in a way, I suppose. And furthermore, you know, he cuts, we, we cut back to the mainland, and there's a brawl in, a brawl involving Ben Um versus a mainland gang. And it shows, you know, Ben being quite able to brawl, you know, in action scenes. You know, he got the size to back it up, but also skill to back it up. They, it becomes a force in these, um, in these action scenes, and uh, I guess throughout, you know, overall, uh, the movie's driven quite well. It's nothing outstanding. It's a quickie, part gore, part investigation drama that's not even desperate for the Category 3 rating, but it doesn't have huge ambitions either. You know, it has its long 20-minute Category 3 segment with the gore, and the rest is standard investigation and drama, not even sex and nudity, believe it or not. But it does, uh, you know, as, as I alluded to, it verge on adequate, and it moves well overall. Um, and we, we, we get this image, obviously, characterization of a character that uh, isn't a bad man, Ben M's character, but he is concealing a crime. He, Strawberry Young wonders why he had to go to the mainland and flee from Hong Kong, so he's obviously not going to say that I killed someone. But um, there's a chance here for him to be happy and not judged, which is, uh, again, decent, decent character. And final reel is quite intense uh, without spoiling it too much that sanity kind of leaves Benham's character and insanity takes uh, takes over and Ben again is a force and he's really utilized well he because his size and his acting skills makes him kind of unstoppable you know he's the big acting and when someone tries to take him down it's near impossible you have to have like 20 guys <laughs> jump him to even try and keep him down you know and uh, I, I love Ben that he can back it up you know acting skill internal skill with physical skill. So it's a really talented and interesting performer. It's all meant to make us sad though, because this is a like a character destiny that is unfair in a way, you know, it did commit a crime, yeah. But we don't feel that as much. Lam Yehung is good at violence and visuals, but not as much as of a of a drama director. So there's no like final emotional punch here where we uh shed a tear or anything but a decent enough movie and um i would recommend it if you find it 
great little chainsaw dismemberment sequence. If you sequence, if you like Venom, then there's plenty to plenty fun to have here as well. Even though it's not red to kill standard, but it shows that Venom is uh, not a one trick pony or anything. So OCTBK is the floating body comes uh, as a minor recommendation. And as for availability, Fito Mobile did VCD and LaserDisc in Hong Kong, but both are out of print. I had the VCD first, I think I still do, and the LaserDisc second, and in a surprise move, the f- the VCD was incredibly bad quality compared to the LaserDisc. Uh, I-, I know the format automatically means they're not as good, but the transfer on the VCD, I remember, was so high contrast and shrill sounding. And watching the LaserDisc today was like seeing a brand new movie. But they're both are out of print, unfortunately. So next time, the quick fucking is almost over. Next time when me and Joshua get together anyway, we have announced that we are looking at Otto Chan's Gates of Hell and Diary of a Serial Killer. Speaking of actor Strawberry, Strawberry Young, as I just uh, talked of. But I might record some quick fucking before uh, that happens. So plans are open, but uh, you'll get uh, one or one of those uh, episodes as your next episode but in the meantime thank you very much for listening and some quick contact information before i sign off this has been this week in sleeves on podcast on fire network check out all our shows on podcastonfire.com if you have any questions or feedback leave us that at um, our email address podcastonfire at googlemail.com like us on facebook facebook.com forward slash pof network join the discussion group by typing in podcast on fire network in the facebook search bar our twitter handle is at podcast on fire my reviews of hong kong movies category free taiwanese movies and uh, godfrey home movies and what have you so good reviews.com and i do small video re- reviews at sleazykvideo.com and my twitter handle is at so good reviews this week is least is available on i iTunes and please if you have the time rate and subscribe and in particular write a small review in terms of what you thought of the show we would love to hear from you and you can also stream us on Stitcher Radio available online but the smoothest way to do so is through the applications available on the Apple App Store and via Google Play and finally shelflifeclothing.com get a good looking t-shirt they're all good looking but in particular get the caucasians t-shirt that everybody i think still is talking about i think it's still somewhat viral so shelflifeclothing.com brian has been very helpful so support him in that way so quick fucking is done see i told you it wasn't going to take long and it was kind of painless wasn't it at least that's what i'm telling myself but hey i'm sleazy k and uh, thank you very much for joining me during this uh, quick little uh, excursion into category three so uh, see you next time bye